Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Now podcast. At Calvary, our mission is to set people's hope in God and engage in the mission of God. To ring in the new year, we're talking about reading and being rooted in the scripture, as well as a new Bible reading resource for our church family. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat this morning. Well, good morning, Calvary West. It's great to see you today. Uh, you know, the, the walking with Jesus isn't all about like points and stuff, but y'all are here. Ryan's not here. Cam's not here. Zoe's not here. Jennifer's not here. I think y'all get some points for that. I'm just saying. All right. Um, but my name's Stephen. I'm one of the pastors at Calvary and I'm excited to be with you this morning. Uh, I do want you to rest assured though. All right. I can't smoke brisket, brisket quite as well as Ryan Showalter, but I did graduate from NC state. So you're in good hands this morning. All right. No worries at all. Uh, this is a unique morning in a couple ways, and one of those is that this is a family service, all right? And so uh, one of the things I love most about Calvary is that this is a family, right? And many of you in this room, you've experienced that sense of family here. And though typically on a Sunday morning, uh, many of our younger kids, are, they have another environment that they're able to be in uh, during our gathering. Today, we're all together, all right? And so it's going to be a blast. We're going to make the most of it. It makes me kind of want to make sure I reiterate a couple of things. One is that I hope that you will take the time to thank those that serve week in and week out in your kids' ministry here at Calvary West. And, you know, when we think about what it takes to do that, there's a degree of faithfulness that is uh, insurmountable, I think, because it's often people that are unseen, they're unacknowledged, they're unrecognized. And so I want to ask this morning, how many of you serve whether just on a regular basis in the kids' ministry here at Calvary West? Raise your hand. All right, there's, there's quite a few in this room. And my hope would be, can we thank them for their faithfulness in serving week in and week out? For some of them that just raised their hand, they haven't had a week off for a year, all right? And so their faithfulness is much appreciated. And parents, I know you're grateful for that as well. Uh, and Annie and Jennifer do an incredible job uh, leading that ministry and thankful for what, what God's doing there. Uh, but this morning, we're, we're all together, all right? Which means this, is that there might be a little bit more noise and a little bit more movement in the room than you're typically accustomed to. And parents and those without kids, I want you to hear me say unashamedly, it's okay. All right. It is completely OK. All right. And so we're going to roll with it uh, no matter what. Uh, Annie's back here. She's got if you didn't get a bag for your kid, an activity bag as they were coming in this morning. There's some things in there for him. If you want to step back and grab one of those. Also, kids, I want you to hear me say there's some things that I'm going to say this morning that are specifically for you. All right. And your parents will probably benefit from them as well. But specifically throughout the morning, I want to drop a couple moments in where it's specifically for kids for you to write something down. All right. So you may want to grab a pen uh, in the basket at the end of the aisle. You can write on your hand. Your parents will love it. Um, it's going to be great. Or if you got something to write on, that would be good as well. well. We'll jump in this morning. How many of you are glad that the Christmas season is over? Does that apply to anybody in here? A few of you in the room. How many of you like are just dreading the fact that the Christmas season is over? Yeah, that's the, that's the camp I'm in too, right? I don't like to see Christmas go away. And one of the reasons is, is because what I've been doing for the last two days, which is taking down Christmas decorations, all right? There's nothing fun about taking down Christmas decorations. It's like a clean-out project that you never intended to get started with that never sends the, seems to finish either, right? And it takes so much work. We spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. The way it works at my house is I'm in charge of the outside, and my wife is in charge of the inside. So the outside looks like Clark Griswold. The inside looks like a Hallmark movie. It's very, very different. But it takes a lot of work for all of it, right? For weeks, we put it all together. And then, you know, I watch people drive by my house, and some of you have driven past my house over the last few weeks and seen my festive display on the outside of my house 
It takes weeks and weeks to do it. And I watch people drive by and they stop and they slow down. They take it in, some with really big smiles because they have joy in their hearts. And some with great disdain because it's too much elf, not enough Hallmark, I guess. I don't know what it is. But 17 inflatables isn't too much, if anybody asks. I promise it's not. Um, but I, I don't like this season where we have to take it all down. All right? It's not that fun. One of the other things I really don't like about the Christmas season ending is that if you think about it, like over the last several weeks, we are inundated, constantly being hit with reminders to think about Jesus. Like all over the place, they're coming at us, right? Like the music that you hear when you go into a store, it's about Jesus often, right? Now, some of it's not. We recognize some Christmas music isn't about that, but, but a lot of it is. And it's right in front of us. We see verses plastered on the side of buildings or, or all over our homes. Sometimes they go up in festive ways around our house. And we're hit with these reminders to think about Jesus all season long. And then all of that goes away. Right? Well, one of those verses that we often hear during the Christmas season is John 1.14. It says this. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed his glory, the glory is of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I wonder if you've ever thought this as you read that verse. You know, we believe, the Bible teaches, that Jesus came, that he lived a life we couldn't live, he died a death that we deserve, defeated death, and then went to be with the Father. After all that happened, was the word of God still dwelling with us? Does the word of God still dwell with us? When we put all of our Christmas decorations up, does the word of God still dwell with us? It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus doesn't have flesh on anymore. Is the word still dwelling among us? Well, I think the answer to the question is yes. Undoubtedly, the word is still dwelling among us. And the primary way that the word of God takes form for us now, the primary way that we hear from God specifically now is through his word, the living word of God, the Bible that we have, many of us sitting in front of us even right now. If you flip back a couple chapters, the, the Bible's divided into two sections, right? The first two thirds of it's called the Old Testament. The second, the last third rather, is called the, the, the New Testament. The very first book of the New Testament is called Matthew. And it's a gospel account. It's a story of Jesus's life and his death. And if you look at Matthew chapter four, Jesus gives us a very distinct reminder, a clear reminder of how desperately we need the word of God. I want you to listen to what Matthew chapter four, verse four says. Jesus answered, it is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus is saying right here is that we need the Bible more than anything. That we need the living word of God more than we need anything. I said, kids, I was going to try to engage you a little bit here and involve you with some this morning. Here's what I want you to do if you're a kid in the room. Some of you adults might want to do this too because pictures kind of help you. I get it, right? I love picture books, all right? I want you to draw a picture of a Bible and then under it, I want you to draw some pictures or write some things that you like a lot, all to illustrate that the Bible is the most important thing that we need. That the Bible is more important than anything else that we have or might try to get in this life. The Bible is what we need more than anything else. Because ultimately it's through the Bible that we encounter the living God. It's through the Bible that we actually encounter the living God. 
not just learn about him, but we actually encounter him. We meet with him. You know, the context here in Matthew chapter four is that Jesus has been sent by the spirit of God out into the wilderness. This is a place where there's very little that's accessible to him, right? Very little food, very, very little few people, all of that kind of stuff. And he's out in the desert and the Bible says that he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. I don't know if you've ever fasted before. I've never fasted for 40 days or 40 nights or any combination thereof. I've fasted for like two days once, right? And that was pretty extreme for me, but he's fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So you can imagine the physical hunger that he's experiencing. And Satan comes and tempts him. And the first way that he does is he plays to the hunger, the physical hunger that Jesus is experiencing. And this right that we just read is Jesus' response to that. He says, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is how Jesus responds to it. He says, essentially, all people are made by God and for God. And all people have a hunger deep within them that only God can satisfy. All people have a hunger deep within them that only God can satisfy. And though there is needs for other things, you can't live by bread alone, just physical things, food. He's saying ultimately that there's a hunger in us that only God can satisfy. And so an important point that's universally true of all people that I want to make sure we kind of highlight today is this, is that God made us with hunger that only he can satisfy. God made each of us with a hunger that only he can satisfy. Nothing else can satisfy other than him. But the verse alludes to, Matthew 4, 4 alludes to the idea that there are really two hungers that are true of every person. There's a physical hunger, right? This is the obvious one. Man shall not live by bread alone. He's saying that you need bread too. Now, for those of you that are gluten-free in the room, right, there's different versions of bread, I know. But he's not just talking about bread. He's talking about food and sustenance, water. We need nutrition to fuel our body so that it can continue to function, right? We recognize this. We've experienced it. Now, some of our friends, our neighbors, people around the world, people here in our own community experience hunger on a whole different level. And I don't want to belittle that at all. Some people don't know where their next meal is coming from. And maybe that's some of you. But whoever we are, whether that be the case or we have easy access to food when we want it, we've all experienced hunger. A desire for food, our body longing for some type of food. So we understand the physical hunger that he's talking about here. However, he's also talking about a spiritual hunger. Man shall not live by bread alone. Bread isn't enough. Food isn't enough. Water isn't enough. Man finds true life by feasting on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The deep spiritual hunger inside of all of us comes by feasting on God and his word. And this is less obvious because we know people and we've experienced this ourselves, right? Where we go days or weeks Months, years, for some even lifetimes without ever engaging the word of God to satisfy the spiritual hunger that's inside of us. So it seems like, well, maybe that's not actually a need for me. It's just a good idea. If we want to experience true and satisfying life, as the Bible describes it, we will only find it by engaging God in his word. At the same time, I would also argue that whether you realize it or not, every single one of us is looking to satisfy that hunger in some way. 
There's not one person in this room, there's not one person in each of our lives, there's not one person who's ever lived that's not trying to satisfy that hunger in some way. The satisfaction that sometimes we're looking for in our pursuits of a relationship or a title or a career path. Maybe it's in possessions or or a particular amount of money or experiences or pleasure. All of those things that we go to to find hope and joy and peace and love, those things that we talked about during the Christmas season, those things that we're we're looking for that, those things that we go to, we're going to them to try to satisfy the spiritual hunger that's deep inside of us. And ultimately what we find is that it cannot satisfy us. C.S. Lewis wrote this, If I find myself desires which nothing in this world, which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. The only logical explanation that nothing in your life that you are pursuing other than Christ satisfies you is that you were made for another world. You were made for him. You were made for the one who made you. You were made for a spiritual hunger to be satisfied by God himself. You see, our issue with spiritual hunger is not that we ignore, ignore the desire for spiritual things, but that we try to satisfy that hunger with other things. We try to satisfy it with physical things. We try to satisfy it with, with off, off, kind of offline pursuits of other spiritual things that will never actually satisfy us and the reason is is because anything other than God himself will always fall short in satisfying us he has made us with a hunger that only he can satisfy and how does he do that as we engage him through his word the living word of God that we were made with a hunger for satisfies the hunger that only God can satisfy for us so two important things that I want to point out just briefly this morning, that relate to this idea that only God can satisfy us. He's created us with a hunger that only he can satisfy. And the first is this, is that God is inviting you to feast with him on his word. God is inviting you to feast with him on his word. Eugene Peterson said it this way. He said, language is the primary way that God works. God is communicating with us in a very direct way through his word. He's doing it clearly and with a great desire for us to meet with him through his word. Not just to partake of his words, but to actually enjoy being with him. Right? Kids again, and again, maybe some of you adults as well, you want to think about it this way. You want to draw a table that depicts sort of the the place where you eat. Right? A table that you would gather to eat at. And the people that you ideally would like to be at that table. But make sure that you leave a spot for the Lord, because ultimately what we're talking about as we engage God through his word is that we are sitting down to feast with him. We're feasting on him as we engage his word, but we are feasting with him in particular, with God himself. We're engaging with him in this way. And so as we talk about God inviting us to feast with him on his word, there's three specific things that I want to point out about this invitation. The first is this, is that God's words are actually an invitation for relationship. For relationship. Now, sometimes we treat God's words as an invitation for a responsibility, as an invitation for something that we should do, just a duty, an obligation. We treat God's words as just an object that sits on the shelf. But no, God's words are actually an invitation for a relationship with us. 
God doesn't want us just to read his words, but he wants us to enjoy him. He's not looking for us just simply to know more about him, but to be intimately connected to him. God's words are an invitation for a relationship. Why does God want a relationship with us? Because he knows that it will satisfy us unlike anything else can in the world. And because he loves us. God knows that nothing will satisfy us more than being with him in relationship. And he loves us so much to give us himself through his word. His words are an invitation for relationship, but his God's words are also prepared and delivered by him. These are actually God's words. It's his terms, his language. It's, it's his heart being dished up for us to devour together. You don't have to go searching high and low to find God. You don't have to take like a, a spiritual journey to find him. You don't have to uncover a secret scroll or find the secret sauce of how to get connected to God. He's made himself available to us and he's delivered up himself. He's prepared and delivered up himself for us through his word. His words are prepared and delivered by him for us. And his words, thirdly, are consistently available. They're consistently available. Unlike, you know, you think about a once in a lifetime invitation to a party that you just would love to be a part of, right? Maybe it's like a presidential ball, or maybe it's just a party with a whole bunch of people that you love most or some superstars that you would really like to spend 15 minutes with. I don't know what it is, but you imagine it's like a once in a lifetime thing. God's word is consistently available. We don't have to sit around and wait for a special invitation. It's consistently available to us. It's consistently available to us, and it finds, the invitation is for us to find and feast with him forever and over and over and over. The invitation never goes away, and it neither, it doesn't lose its validity or relevance for us either. And I think sometimes we look at God's word and think it's, it's kind of, it's dated. It's, it's just old, antiquated. God's words are timeless, and they speak to every season of life imaginable. I can think about my own life as a, as, as a kid growing up, not knowing who Jesus was, and how desperately I needed God's words at that season of my life. As a young adult, trying to navigate what I'm going to do with my life and trying to figure that out, and how desperately I needed God's words to give me that direction in my life. As a young married man trying to figure out what marriage is and how to do it. How do, how do you live together and how do you navigate these roles in a relationship and how do I serve my wife faithfully? I needed God's words to help me in that season to navigate what it was. As a young parent trying to figure out how to raise kids and, and how do I serve them and care for them and lead them and disciple them. I need God's words to help me understand how to do that. As a working, as a, as a person with a job, right? I need God's words to help me navigate. How do I work with people? that sometimes I just don't get along with? How do I work with people when there's conflict? How do I work with people that I report to or that report to me or that I work alongside of? I need God's words to help me navigate that. I need God's words to help me in every season of life to navigate how in the world do you just watch NC State lose over and over and over and over again and not lose your self-control, right? I need God's words to help me in every season and every area of life. It's timeless. And guess what? It's consistently available to me. It's consistently available to us. 
So the question then is, why are we not more often and more deeply engaged with God's word? It's consistently available to us. It's prepared and delivered by God. It's an invitation that's just sitting there for us for relationship with him. Why are we not more regularly and more deeply engaged with God's word? Well, ultimately, the determining factor in that, it's not God. It's not his word. It's us. So if God has given us this invitation to feast with him on his word, there's another side to the coin that we must actually be pursuing him. That you must pursue him. You know, the determining factor, it's not God, it's not his word, it's ultimately us. You know, God's nearness isn't the issue. The Bible teaches us that he is always with us. The accessibility of God's word isn't the issue. If you don't have a physical copy of it in our culture, you can get one anytime you want, or you can just download it on a device and look at it or listen to it anytime you want. It's not an accessibility issue. It's not a relevance issue. God, God's, God's word speaks to every area of life and every season of life, as I've already described. We're not just sitting around waiting for an invitation. He's extended the invitation for a relationship through his word. We're not waiting for it to get good. It's timeless. It's, it's perfect for us in every season. So what's the issue? Well, the issue is that we're simply not responding to his invitation to be in relationship with him through his word. And so as we think about that, that God is inviting us to feast with him on his word, that we must pursue him. What does it look like then for us to pursue God's word? We are to pursue God's word first with desire for relationship. Not out of obligation, not out of responsibility, not out of duty, just purely to engage in relationship. You know, as we approach the Bible, we should do so with an emphasis on meeting with God, on knowing him personally. Not just looking to learn more things, which is bound to happen and is good for us but ultimately looking for a deeper relationship with God. Not more facts, but looking for friendship. Not looking for some sort of information about history, but looking for intimacy with God. When we meet with God through his word, we're not just partaking of it. We're not just eating of it. We're actually enjoying the word with the giver of the word himself. We should be pursuing God's words with a desire for relationship. We should also be pursuing God's words with dependence upon God, you know, it's easy to engage God's word when we truly believe that we have to have it. When we believe that everything depends on it, when our livelihood and our good depends on it, it's much easier to engage with God's word when we're deeply depending on it, right? I think sometimes we treat engaging God's word like pizza on a Saturday night that's just easy and convenient, right? But what we need to do is approach it more like a cup of, of cold water after running through the desert that we cannot survive without it. That degree of dependence is what we need as we engage with God through his word. And when we will begin with that belief that God alone can satisfy. It demonstrates our dependence and we come to him pleading for what only he can do. So we pursue God's words with desire for relationship, with dependence on God, and thirdly, with persistence through obstacles. I think consistency is key as we engage with God and his word. You see, our need for his word never dies. But what happens is even as we begin reading God's word on a regular basis and taking it in and trying to meet with God, we hit seasons where it's like, 
And that's exactly what I read yesterday. Man, this feels like the same thing over and over and over and over. Or it may be that you're just going through a season where I'm like, this is too much to keep up with. I feel like it's a new thing every day. I don't, I don't know if I'm really learning anything. Am I retaining any of it? But here's what we need to do is through those seasons is we need to persist, to be consistent and persist. When it seems like something new every day or when it seems like the same thing over and over, God's worth, word is worth persisting for so that we can continue to intake it because we need what it offers. So we need to pursue God's word with desire for a relationship, with dependence on God, and with persistence through all the obstacles that come our way, whether we put them in place or something else in our life does. Persist through all of those obstacles. You know, when we liken this pursuit of God or feasting with God to, to the physical hunger that we have, you know, it's a little bit kind of easy to see some of the similarities. I want you to think for just a second, right? Think about the, the best meal that you had over the holidays, all right? My guess is you didn't have that meal alone, right? If you're an introvert like me, you might have hidden a closet at one point and just eaten like Chex Mix, like this. But think about that meal that you had. You think about the planning that took place so that that meal could happen. Think about the preparation that went into executing that meal. The arrangements that took place, the coordination of all the different people and all the different foods and all the things that were needed to make that experience happen. Right? Meal planning and preparation is something that we understand. Even people with little to no means are thinking about how to get their next meal. We spend time every day, sometimes weekly, right? Thinking about sometimes less frequently than that, thinking about, hey, what are we going to eat for this week? We're, we're, somebody's got to go to the store and get it. Last night at six o'clock, my wife, I was like, hey, what, what should we do for dinner tonight? And she was like, I don't know. It's on you, right? In that moment, I had to start meal planning and preparation real quick. Right? I had to put some time and some thought into it. And we have to do this with our meals. We do this all the time. Even if it's like Ryan Showalter style, I'm just going to swing through the drive-thru at Taco Bell. Like whatever it is, we put some thought into it. Not a lot of thought in that. But we always put thought into it. But oftentimes we put little to no thought, no planning and preparation into how we're going to engage God in his word. Little to none. And it shouldn't be a surprise to us when we, our lack of planning and preparing to feast with God leads to a lack of engagement with Him. It shouldn't be a surprise to us. So instead, what we need to do is take intentional steps towards this steady diet of feasting with God. My hunch is some of you this week are going to set out on a new fad diet or you're going to find some new tool or platform or app that's going to save you hours by planning your meals for you, managing your finances for you, making an exercise plan for you, telling what you should eat, telling you what you should eat, when you should eat it, how much of it you should eat, what you need to go to the store and get. It's going to put some things in your shopping cart on your account at Food Lion or wherever you go at Walmart for you. And you love those tools because what do they do? They take some of the planning and preparation out of the process for you, don't they? It's great. It's super convenient. I love it, right? So what we've tried to do is to try to create an opportunity for you to have a similar type of tool to engage and to feast with God and his word daily through the year 2024. 
We've created this flexible Bible reading plan that's intended to take some of the prep and the planning out for you. All right? Because we believe at Calvary that God's word is central to life. That we cannot live without it. Truly live without engaging God in relationship through his word. And so we're trying to take some of the planning and the preparation out of developing a rhythm in your life of engaging the Bible on a regular basis. And so we've created a Bible reading plan that's flexible, that's easy to use. And here's what I want you to do right now, okay? You haven't written anything down the whole morning. I'm not judging you, but I'm asking you to write this one thing down, okay? Because here's what we can do, is we can give you the easiest to use plan in the world. But if you don't do it, Right? We can't control that. What I don't know is what the best time of day is for you. And so here's what I want you to write down. If you need to write it different for every day, write Monday through Sunday and do that, or Sunday through Saturday, however you think about your week. But I want you to write down the best time for you to read the Bible each day. I want you to write it down. Write it on a phone, write it on a piece of paper, write it on your hand, write it on your kid's forehead. I don't care. Just write it somewhere. Again, I don't know if it's 6.30 in the morning for you or 5.30 in the afternoon or 10 o'clock at night. And it may be that it differs by the day. But we can't put on a piece of paper the best time for you to read your Bible. <laughs> Only you can do that. As we pursue him, right, we got to put some skin in the game of this. And so what I want to do for just a minute this morning is I want to close with three keys to using the plan that we've made available. And then I'll talk a little bit more about it as we go. Also, the first is this focus on today, focus on today. All right. It could be really overwhelming to look at a map like this. It could be really overwhelming, too. I'm trying not to show it to you. I know you can't read it from where you're at. I can barely read it from where I'm at. All right. It can be a little overwhelming to look at. So what we want to encourage you to do is focus on today. If you miss January 1st, on January 2nd, don't try to read everything for January 1st and January 2nd. Just read January 2nd. The goal is not to read a certain amount of the Bible. The goal is to become an intaker of the word, to take in the word, to take in the word. The goal isn't to check a box. The goal is to take in the word of God, to engage with him relationally. If you miss January 1st, on January 2nd, just focus on January 2nd. Focus on the day in front of you. The second thing is this. Flexibility is key. We've got to be flexible for this to work, right? And so here's what I would say about it. And this plan, right, and you might see a picture of it here in just a second up on the screen, but this plan has a lot of different ways that it can be used. It's got a lot of different ways it can be used. What you'll see is that Monday through Friday, there's a New Testament chapter, chapter, not a long section, a chapter, and an Old Testament chapter to read, Right? And then you'll see on Saturday, there's a, one psalm every week. It's not the same psalm. It changes. Week two, psalm two. You'll see a pattern, I promise. All right? There's lots of ways to use this. You might go, I'm just going to read the New Testament. You might say, you know what? I'm going to read the New Testament, and I've got, I've got time. I'm going to read the Old Testament, too. You might say, I'm just going to read the Old Testament. You might try to knock out all of it. Here's what I would say is a bare minimum. For some of you, you've already got a Bible reading plan. You've got something else that you're already using. I applaud you for that. Keep on using it. Read the psalm each week. Read the psalm each week. And here's why I say that. Because part of the beauty of this plan is that we're doing it together. And it gives us a platform to talk about in your home groups and your Bible fellowship classes. When we gather on the weekends, this psalm is preparing our hearts for the Sunday gathering. That Saturday psalm is preparing our hearts for the Sunday gathering. 
And you're going to hear Ryan reference these things, this psalm. You might hear Cam read this or Rebecca read this during worship. You're going to hear of this more and more. So be flexible. You don't have to do it all. You might do a portion of it. You might do all of it. And it's okay. There's flexibility in how you use it. For some, especially younger ones, you're going to read a paragraph of that one chapter of the New Testament, and it's okay. The goal isn't to check a box or read a certain amount. The goal is to engage God in his word. The second thing I would say about flexibility is that you're going to see on the front of these that there is questions that you can use. There's a prayer prompt and then four questions. What's the passage about? What questions do I have? You can use that to go a little bit deeper. Based on this passage, how should I praise God and why? You can use that to go a little bit deeper. Based on this passage, why should I be thankful for the good news of Jesus? Help you begin to see the gospel coming to life in every part of the Bible. Based on this passage, how should I live? Right? Using those questions is an option. It's an option. There's flexibility in how you use this thing. The point is not to do it all. The point is to engage God through his word because he wants a relationship with you. And that relationship requires hearing from him. It requires hearing from him. So be flexible as you use this. And the last thing I would say is form relationships through it. You're going to go deeper in your relationship with God through reading the Bible and through praying, I promise. You're going to feed that desire and it's going to grow that desire. You're going to find yourself depending on him more and more. But, but also you're going to form deeper relationships with one another as you talk about this in your home, as you talk about this with a friend or a spouse, as you talk about this with people in your small group. As you hear about this, as we gather together on the weekends, we're going to form deeper relationships by walking through this together, right? Which is another reason why, man, if you miss Wednesday, just pick up on Thursday. And you know what? Some of you are going like, yeah, but what if somebody asked me at church? Be honest. (laughs) It's okay to mess up, right? Acknowledge that you did, right? It's not okay to sin, to be clear. We make mistakes. Like, I missed a day. Tell them. It provides greater accountability for us. It's good for us. But man, I picked back up on Thursday and it was good. And I read that psalm yesterday. Man, let me tell you what I saw on Psalm 1 about how streams of living water, that's the kind of tree I want. I want to be planted like that. Be flexible with it. Form relationships through it. So here's what I want to do as we close today. I want to ask you first just to honestly evaluate where you're at. Because here's what happens. I'm going to ask you to take a next step too. And you can't take a next step with really out, without actually knowing where you're at. You can't take the right next step without admitting where you're really at. So honestly evaluate. Is there a steady diet of feasting on God's word with him in your life? There may be. That's great. Maybe there's a steady diet, but it's just really, really, really kind of a weak and shallow diet, right? Like you're living off of the verse of the day and just hoping that's going to be enough. Or you're hoping that, you know, when you turn the radio on in the car, that they're going to hit the verse of the day on the radio and you can check the box. And that's the extent of your intake. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Identify where you're really at. Maybe it's just super inconsistent. Maybe it's no intake at all. Identify where you're really at and then ask for help and pray for desire. I promise. God gives us desire. And as we feed that desire, that desire grows. Ask God to give you greater desire for his word. And ask for help. Say to the people in your small group, hey, let's do this together. Say to a friend of yours that's closest, hey, will you ask me each Sunday how I did with the reading this week? And ask me what I'm learning from it. 
Do that with your family, your spouse, people in your small group, a friend. Ask for help. And then take your next step. I would encourage you today to make a plan for this week. For this week. Just this week. Right? I don't know about you, you can miss the, the forest for the trees when we get so caught up in trying to think about, okay, what's it going to look like in December though? How much will I have read? Just make a plan for this week and engage God through his word. Just focus on one piece at a time. Take your next step, whatever it is, and use the things that God has given you, like technology, to help remind you, right? Set a reminder on your phone. Like, ah, it's not the same time every day. Great, set one for every day. Right? Technology has given us the ability to be able to do these things. Let's use it for good. Right? So take your next step and then pick up the plan. Right? In the lobby today as you leave over at Next Steps, we've got these plans. There's three different ones, and I want to be clear about this. This one's for kids. It looks like it. It's the same plan, but it's got some different language on the front of it to help kids. This one with the little dots on it is for students, middle and high school students. Same plan, different language on the front of it to help out. This one's for all the rest of us, all right? All the rest of us. There's some of those in the lobby. I heard we were running a little bit low, but go by and check out. If you can't get that today in the lobby, on the app, on the Calvary Now app, you can access it there. It's right on the homepage. It's the second tile, I think, on the homepage of the, the Calvary Now app. Or you can go to calvarynow.com resources. It's all right there, right? We've got access to this. It's an easy way for us to engage God through his word together. And what it allows us to do is actually to feast with him on his word and to do it together. I'm going to think about the last good meal you had. Probably what made it so sweet was the people you were with. Man, let's do this together. Just imagine the benefit and the sweetness of engaging God and his word together. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that every need we have, you've proved throughout history that you meet it, including our need and our hunger that you have put inside of us, that, that it's only you who can satisfy. And so this morning, Father, I pray that we would be honest about our need for you and that we would trust you and depend on you to satisfy that which you have created us to hunger after, which is you. And so will we turn to your word for relationship? Will we turn to your word to engage you, to learn of you, but also, Father, just to enjoy you? And as we do, God, would you change us? God, whether we look at God's word and think it is just an obligation, that we, we gain your love by reading it, or we've never touched it in our lives, God, we know ultimately our greatest need it's just to be in relationship with you and to engage you daily through your word, which is your avenue of continuing to dwell with us. So God, would we enjoy you today? And as we do throughout the course of this year, may it cast our minds to think about that day when we will feast with you forever and ever and ever. As we enjoy Christ together. May we do it even now. It's in Christ's name we pray. Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Now podcast. We desire that Calvary would be a place of belonging and hope where no one walks alone. If you're not already, we would love for you to join us in person at either of our campuses on Sunday mornings at 9 or 1030. For more information, visit us at calvarynow.com.